0: All right, and we are recording once again. Um, Alan, welcome to uh, our... Thank you for joining me at our next episode of Avoid Crisis. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Um, but I'm also quite surprised. I mean, here we are with our weekly podcast once again. It feels like it was yesterday. It does. It just goes by so fast. There's so much happening. Um. What are your thoughts? Uh,
0: does it seem that fast for you? It does. I mean, it's it's amazing how quick these cycles go. Um, I guess for the record, today's to Wednesday, April the 5th. Uh, it's about 1.15, 1.20 in the afternoon Pacific time. Um, so let's jump right in. Uh, lot, Like you said, a lot happened in the past week. Um, uh, we chatted earlier this morning about, you know, some topics. And I don't know where we want to, Where do, is there a good starting point you have in mind? I mean, what do you want to jump yeah, on? You first? know,
1: I, I think that, you know, one of the things that we've been talking the most about, I guess, um, just in this particular time period has been related to the current banking crisis we're in. So just to kind of look at that and say we are in a banking crisis. Everyone right now that I'm at least hearing about in the discussions are saying it's not the same as 2008. But I think if we go back to some of the earlier podcasts where we we're talking about, we talked about this idea of tentacles, right? It starts in one place and it reaches out. And um, just kind of following up with this, and, and the reason why I think it's a good place to start is, well, as you know, we just had the end of uh, a quarter, March 31st. So calendar year, public credit companies, their quarter, first is ending March 31st. And so right after that, what do we have? We have the earnings release. And who is on deck right away? It's the banks. And what is it that we typically hear from the banks? Some sort of a commentary on the economy. But what did we hear even well in the most recent days? We heard from JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon talking about, you know, we're still in a, in a banking crisis and uh, we're not out of it. And I don't know if that's a foreshadowing of their individual particular you know, bank and the issues they're facing, or if it's more pervasive than that. And let's not forget that he was really the uh, the individual that's credited for being a big part of arranging and bringing forth the $30 billion investment in uh, First Republic Bank here. Then we've talked a lot about them. So just putting that into um, a perspective and saying, Why are we hearing now that there's still a lot of rippling going through the banking system? And uh, we talked before about how there was going to be winners and losers. And we even talked about the big banks, that they weren't necessarily the winners, even though it looked like you're taking your money out from a regional bank because you're saying, hey, I need to make sure that my deposits beyond the FDIC limits are going to be covered. So maybe I go to a bigger bank, even if it's not covered, I feel it's not going to have a run in the bank now we're hearing that uh, not all is well. And uh, what does that exactly mean? So uh, let's just go ahead and get started there.
0: There you go. Okay, so there's a couple of topics there. We can jump on First Republic or we can jump on other banks in general. Um, l- let's do that specific first. Uh, so First Republic, um, the, you know, yeah, Jamie Dimon did lead the – the group that, I, I hate saying rescued, I, I think they came to the aid of First Republic. Um, we're still too close to know if it was a rescue or not. You know, how close did they get to, to having these problems? <clears throat> There's other problems that they have, though, that, that are kind of the next logical step. Um, there were several announcements recently that FRB... Lost on, on the investment side of the house, right not the banking side per se, but assets under management. they um, sure. had some big people that migrated sure. away um, went to other went to other banks. I mean this is going to affect forward-looking earnings for FRB. you know their tank their, their, their stock tanked and has stayed down. but mm-hmm. I think everybody's kind of looking at the market going, what is the new profit paradigm? for banking, for the whole financial services sector. Yeah. It, yeah. You know. So let's, let's go ahead and go into
1: some of those parts that you're talking right there, specifically on First Republic Bank. And you call them out as FRB, which is their stock symbol. They're F- trading FRC. now. F- F- FRC, FRC, right? For, so, for, yeah. so when you say FRB, you're talking about First Republic Bank. FRC That's is right. their stock symbol. Right. Okay. That's right. So, That's right. L- so the thing about it is it's after this $30 billion comes into the bank that these individuals who at one point felt they had a lot of career development that was going to be very favorable for them being able to manage wealthy individuals at that bank are leaving now or are being pursued by other banks, including some of those that are the investors, right? And they're like, uh, you know, was there no poaching kind of an agreement? There? I mean, remember we talked about this. We don't know what the agreement is. And so the friendly bankers coming to your aid, as you call it, right, um, are also at the same time looking for, you know, what is the possibility here that there's some benefit that we can get? And certainly there is a benefit for them, because if you were to not try to stem the fear Then you have the risk of contagion. You have the risk of even more money moving out of the banks and moving somewhere else. And we've seen that even going back to the idea of the tentacles, that there has been a lot of deposits that have been coming out of the big banks too. And so, given the fears that we've seen internationally, you know, we talked before about Chris Weiss, and you got to believe that there's uh, deposits coming out in other countries as well so losing people and people saying you know what i don't want to continue to be at this bank and i want to go to some other organization and to do the same types of things in another organization um this is even after the shoring up of the immediate threat right so what does that tell you about what needs to happen um not just that First Republic, but other regional banks, how do do they look at this and say, you know, um, we need to, first of all, do something to avoid a crisis and the crisis that they would be potentially facing is losing a lot of business, right? A lot of customers leaving because a bigger competitor now is offering
0: something better for their employees. Do 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 we do we have too many banks? And is this just a cycle of weeding out what the what what is an inefficient number of banks? And the market doesn't need this many banks. I mean, you know, we won't it's know that point. for a while.
1: I mean, but but are you uh, are you saying that uh, what we need to do is we need to go through some sort of a combination of banks until we get them big enough to be too big to fail? Is that <laughs> what you're going?
0: Just so me you know. Uh I, I don't know exactly where, where where that's gonna end. I don't think there it should be regulated to that point. I think if if the market wants to have you know, if if there are entrepreneurs that want to start and have a bank according to the rules and they run it soundly, they should have the right to do so. And if we end up with a thousand banks, fine. If we end up five hundred thousand banks, fine. As long as it's done by the rules and the consumers you know the depositors are are protected, except to the investors, the entrepreneurs, uh, and the entrepreneurs yeah, to uh, take that risk.
1: You know, let's bring it back to just part of the theme of what we're talking about with the void crisis, right? And so what we've tried to uh, help our listeners understand is that you have to you have to be able to first of all, think. And so you're going to listen to what's being said, but you're going to look around and make observations. And you're really gonna to try to understand what the situation is. Then you're gonna make some decisions. So you're gonna think, then you're gonna decide, and then you're gonna act on those decisions. So here's what's interesting whenever we start thinking about the banks. And I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast about how many conversations you could overhear where people were talking about banks and their money. And we also have this other element of what are not really banks, but these are lenders. So I don't know if you've ever received in the mail an invitation sure. to go ahead and to get a, a you know a very high rate loan immediately, right? Yeah. Now, the thing is is that what's interesting about that is we mentioned about Jamie Dyna. he also talked about this non-bank and he was like, are they going to be there when you really need them? Well, let's go to the local level. Who understands the local community and the local businesses? Who understands Main yeah. Street? in the small town is it the big bank uh headquartered in new york city headquartered in charlotte maybe headquartered some other large place um throughout the world is that who understands that local merchant or is it the local bank the community bank the credit union that might exist i mean this financial money Transfer ability that we have now allows you to move your money very quickly into a lot of different locations, right? So, money coming out of the system, if that's really what's happening, where is it going? Because this movement, we're talking about the tentacles, right? People are losing deposits at banks, small banks, regional banks, large banks. Where's the money going? So, is it a matter of winners and losers? Or is this something where they're just putting it into CDs, as an example right. and saying, you know, interest rates are higher right now. And that kind of, right. you know, points us back to another topic we've been talking about, which is uh interest rates and the, the, where the they're Fed,
0: and, the Fed and raising the Fed and raising rates. Yeah, the the to to the to the point that you just made though about the cash and the demand deposits, it's gonna be nice to see actually it's gonna be interesting to see the Fed's next uh, publication of M1 data, because M1 is the demand deposit, the the cash floating around the economy. And um, uh, if that is truly going down, then to your point, where is it going? And I, I, I believe that it's going back into the market. Um, I think coming out of COVID, there was a lot of cash swimming around. People spent some of it. They consumed some of it. But then at a certain point, uh, it has to go somewhere. And they kept hearing about the the the, the you know the, the the cratering of the stock market. So I think people got a little scared. They've had cash out. And now they have to find other things to do with it. And so I think it's going into CDs, treasuries, into the back into the stock market. The stock market has overall has remained amazingly resilient during a lot of this turbulence. it It, it really is not cratering right now. So, you know, what, yeah, where's the any, recession?
1: Right. Any any one day taken away, but just looking at it overall and just seeing that, you know, right. what was the first quarter? Um, what were the ups and downs there? What are the most recent uh, moves? And one of the big things that we probably saw um, was that there were a lot of tech companies that seemed to benefit from this crisis in the banks. Um, it's not really a flight to yeah. safety. It's a flight to what they feel more comfortable with Uh, the tech companies aren't necessarily more safe. I mean, there was quite a bit of, you know, let's take the example, Facebook meta, you know, so Facebook is the name most people understand it has been changed to meta platforms. That stock itself went down quite a bit. And then all of a sudden there was a statement that came from the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, who said, you know, this is going to be the year of efficiency. They're going to make a lot of changes going to start to show a lot better uh, returns and now we're starting to see upgrades um but you look at a number of other companies and uh, you know another company that's been a recent big winner just from a where they were to where they're at now is nvidia who is being pointed to as being a big player in this whole new development of ai um so artificial intelligence and you know and, and you think about that and And we can talk more about artificial intelligence and the impacts down the road because it's not today. We're still talking a lot more about the banking crisis. But you know, you think about the banking crisis, I'm going to tie it back in with artificial intelligence. I'm going to go back to First Republic and I'm going to make this point. If you right now are one of those people who were involved in the biggest wonderful short trade of shorting First Republic Bank, the number one short in the market, and you made your win, You got to look at it now and say, take your win. And I'll tell you why we had prior to the report. And we talked about this again in the podcast previously. We talked about the report of the short amount coming out on first Republicans and sample. Right. And I did a little bit of digging there just to give you some idea prior to this quarter, the previous short volume was around 5 million. The, current short volume volume right now is somewhere around 9 million now if the stock has gone from somewhere up in you know the 160 down to 130 down to all the way to uh, 40 and it opened and closed and there was all kinds of stops in the market for that and now settled down to 13 if you're short you've got 13 potential more points i'm just going to call it 14, 13, whatever, but that's as much more as you can make. Now, if you don't take it off the table, let's say you're one of those winners, uh, or let's just say that right now you're one of those roughly 9 million people that are short, you got to remember one thing right now. What do you think the current analyst community believes as a range is the target range for First Republic stock right now? What do you think it
0: is? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I I thought I had seen stuff as high as 150 or 160. So I'm going to I'm gonna take that almost in half, and I'll say 90. You weren't so far off. The current
1: high-end target is 181. Now, wow. maybe they're a little bit slow. They haven't been keeping up with the papers. Uh, they need to make an adjustment. But uh, even right now, the most recent target, a lowering of target, came out of Wells Fargo, who said 25. So the point being that if you right now, um, you know, maybe say, Hey, you know, if it goes up to 25, my short wins, here's what can happen. You got 9 million shares. You don't have a lot of float. And all of a sudden people are trying to buy uh, back that position, which means they have to buy somebody that was willing to sell. So let's say somebody bought at 13 and they're like, you know, I'm not going to be paying attention to it for a while. And they're like, oh, somebody's offering me more, but they're not there to sell. you got to find someone who's willing to sell at whatever price. All I'm saying is that you look at the events of this crisis that we're in, which has been focused on the regional banks, and I think the reason is you look at Signature Bank, you look at SVB, and you say, okay, it's vulnerable. But the longer the time goes, then there are less people that are going to leave the bank The earnings might not be that great for some period of time, but what's the enterprise value? this is what, this is the point that I'm trying to make. If you are going to hold your position of being short on First Republic Bank, then what you are doing, and this is the parallel here, I think what you're really doing is you're trying to short the city of San Francisco. It didn't work in the gold rush. Okay. There was a big fire. They came back. COVID was supposed to kill it. Right. But uh, you know they're still around. You're betting against San Francisco because you know this. You walk up and down the streets in, the, in that town, and you're going to see First Republic at every corner. Not every corner, but you know what I'm saying. This is
0: yeah. You don't go far. You see. You yeah. see You see a, you see a yeah. branch. I I I I think in general what we're saying is is if you're short FRC right now, that do you you're basically betting and you're not taking your money off the table at 13 14 15 where it's trading at right now what you're basically saying is i think this thing's going to tank completely and i personally i don't think that's going to happen and so to your point if you're short time to take the money off the table you're going to be competing with as this thing gets stable and starts to rise. You're going to be competing with other buyers, and that competition is going to mean that the rebound should be should be steep, re- reasonably steep. Um Let's let, let's talk. You, you hit earlier. Do, anything else on FRC? Because I want to I want to jump to the next one when when we're ready. I want to make sure we covered this one. All everything we want to get out on on this one.
1: Yeah, I think it's just more looking at the avoiding risk and we talked before about you know just the concern with the banks and how it ties together and, and i think the point is is that we're going to hear next week as the earnings release comes out from the banks a lot of views on the economy we're going to get a lot more insight but we're also going to hear the responses to the analyst questions and those analyst questions are going to be something along the line of tell us how much deposits you lost Tell us uh, how you feel your risk is going to be uh, mitigated through actions you're taking now. Tell us what you think about your uh, portfolios and tell us what you think about uh, your investments and how those balance out with the risk, um, you know, of, you know, really being in a position where you can say that you're hedging against uh, moves and could be in interest rates or it could be in, you know, in changes in deposits. And uh, you know, what are you going to do? So there's going to be a lot of analyst questions that come out when these earnings come out. And then I think the other part, and, uh, and I'm kind of moving into the next piece of this, I think from our discussions and what we've talked about relating to the banks, we also said, well, if the banks are struggling, then that means that they don't have as much money to lend potentially, which makes it so that there's going to be a lot more requirements in credit and it's going to be harder for individuals to get a loan. And we talked about the VCs and they funded the startups and how that has an impact on innovation. So throwing all those up there and saying, take it from the banks. And now let's talk about your thoughts as we go to this whole credit
0: uh, impact. So interest rates. So interest rates, they popped them a quarter point last meeting. Um, inflation was taming down. Uh there were some very there were some key indicators um on 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 rents and housing uh, prices etc um you know part of that i think is a function of higher interest rates i think people calculate how much house they can buy based upon what's the monthly payment that i can afford right and if you're paying more money toward interest that means you're paying less money toward house puts a downward pressure on Prices and housing, Uh, so I think that's kind of the 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 decline in the prices, which is exactly what the Fed wanted, right? They want these prices to be coming down. That's right, the opposite of inflation. Um, We just got some really bad news though on Sunday about OPEC Plus, you know, limiting supply by something like a million barrels a day, and the price of oil popped ten bucks within a few hours per barrel. Yeah, is, uh, so, is, uh, is it because summer's coming up or something like that?
1: Seems like this happens every year. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that always whenever you know you start needing to drive around in the summer, and enjoy the beach and all that, that uh, the price of gas goes up.
0: Yeah, I mean that that was that was I think that's part of it, but I think another part was that um, in in these inflationary times, they you know it's it's a supply and demand thing, right? And they're like, well, you know we we haven't had as much pop in the prices we thought we would get. And so, and then you got the whole, you know, Russia, Ukraine thing going on. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's try to extract a little more, particularly if there's the long cycle concern about, you know, going green and getting rid of, get, getting rid of lower dependence on uh, petroleum products. So they're, you know there there's a, quite a few things short term and long term at play there, and I think they're just sitting there looking going, why not i mean we can we can we can do this and uh um and obviously the market's going to take whatever they put out so but it did it helped them yeah. boost reduce the price up lower lower yeah. supply price goes up right
1: well in part, I think that the whole energy topic is something that we're going to be talking about going forward as well um the correlation, though, of prices at the pump and supply demand is never really perfect. There's a couple of other things that influence the supply demand, and one is the other uses of petroleum. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's used in uh, in the refineries to produce a lot of other products. There's a lot of um, other parts that are in the whole supply side of it. But just thinking about what gets to the pump. And you have to think about, okay, how much add-on do you have in taxes? But there is this other consideration, which is, is the mix of demand for the barrel boil, let's just call that the barrel boil going into your car, right? If there's more electric vehicles, the idea would be that potentially there's less demand. And then what happens to the price there, Uh, especially given part of what you're getting at, which is that, Supply demand in this particular case may not be completely um, driven by just an economic model. So that you look at the curve supply demand, but you also think about, well, if you have OPEC, they kind of can influence price. and so that price isn't necessarily showing the same kind of elasticity as we would think just from a pure supply demand. But it is an interesting question to be thinking about. Um,
0: So all in all, when we look back, or sorry, when we look forward, next meeting, are the interest rates going to stay flat? Are they going to tick them up a quarter point, which is what the sentiment was before all this banking stuff went crazy? And there's been talk recently, you look at uh, uh, some some data about a possible quarter point drop. Like okay, when when's the when's the next drop going to be? So what's the next move, and when is the net, when is the first drop going to happen? Um,
1: well, we, we're getting some really good news. I mean, today again being Wednesday, we did see the ten year was starting to um, retrace a little bit. We saw across the board rents and housing prices are coming down. So that means that the fight on inflation has some signs of winning. On labor, there is uh, a lot to be seen. Maybe in the upcoming uh, jobs report. So that's not coming out until I think Friday, but that'll give us a clue. Um, when we look at the rhetoric from the Fed, if they, <clears throat> if you want to call it that, right, it's really they're making statements about they are trying to be vigilant against inflation. And we we talked earlier on another podcast about how we're seeing inflation all over the world, and. Um, their positioning has been that they're going to continue to raise rates and they haven't backed off, but because they went from 50 BIPs down to 25 BIPs in the last move, I'm leaning towards a pause in the next uh, decision. And I think that it goes back to what we talked about before. They don't have to necessarily maintain uh, every meeting, you know, this, this path. And if they say that they're really data observant and dependent, they're going to look at some of these data points and say, you know, it seems that there is a bit of contraction in the economy. And does that mean that we're going to be kind of pushed towards a recession if they continue to raise rates? And who knows? Maybe that's part of the plan. Um, maybe they feel that it's a necessary uh need at this point to really preserve the long-term benefit of the economy. I mean, you talked about this earlier, about the amount of stimulus money that came into the system and just the impact of all that money coming into the system. And how did it get the uh, deployed?
0: Right. A lot of it, a lot of it's still sitting in checking accounts. It's in M1. Um so that raises the next question so if you're not if you're a company that does not have a bunch of cash sitting in your bank account if you're a company that needs to go out and raise money whether you're going to go to you know raise equity through a VC round or whatever angel round or are you going to go to a lender and try and borrow it you know rates are high interest rates are high now on borrowed money Money's tighter. So you're going to have to give away more equity to get that cash. Um, you know, one of my fears right now is that there's a lot of good ideas, there's a lot of good technology that is not going to come to market in the next year, year and a half, two years, because it, you just can't find the cash to make it happen. Um, if they would have come out, Two years ago, when it was a heck of a lot easier to get funded and to get cash flow, they might have made it through. But if you didn't get to a critical mass point by now, it's too late. Um, you're going to have to self fund it, or you're going to have to earn it. You can, you know, <laughs> because easy money, easy cheap money ain't here no more, and it's not going to be for a while. With the banking crisis, it's actually going to compound this problem. Because now they need to be more conservative with their balance sheet, and they can't make bad loans. They can't afford to have loan write-offs. So, you know, what what does this mean to the general economy? it It's going to be it's going to be a, a hit. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a big hit, you're, you're, a negative hit. By the way, I don't mean like a positive hit. Um, so, you know, but I think, I think the, the interest rate is a is an important thing to see it has yeah. short term and long term effects.
1: So let's go with the the balance of some of the things you said there because I think it's important with you know avoiding crisis and avoiding crisis is trying to look ahead right what is it that you can see today what is it that you're not seeing and you need to be thinking yep. about this and then you need to make a decision and act on it so Analyze let's take what you just said right yep. let's just let's just talk about what you said one you gave a pretty good argument of there is the potential for rates to go to a pause maybe down Mm -hmm. But at the same time, pointed out earlier was the fact that the Fed still maintains a mandate of raising rates. If you're in a position to where you need money today or you think you're going to need money in a short period of time, let's say six months. Part of what you're saying is now's the time and borrow it. Now's time to go and try to borrow it, to try to get it locked in, because six months from now, it might be really, really hard to get. Okay, so that's one side of it. The other side is that if you have debt out there, it doesn't matter what's going to happen with rates truly, depending on who that debt is coming from, because they may raise the actual rates that it'll cost you, the cost to borrow. You know, again, going back to supply and demand, the cost to borrow possibly is going up. So it's, Maybe a good time to, if you really think you're going to need the money, to try to start getting that money now. If you have debt and you can pay it off, now's a really good time to start, you know, you're looking for where your money should go. um, You should be like really looking at how can I reduce debt Because we're in the potential of moving towards a recession for a number of reasons. We know what's happening with the Fed, but we also know that we have the banking crisis. We also know that we've had a very long economic expansion time period. All those align with the possibility of a recession
0: coming in relatively short term. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would use my cash to pay off my debt right now. I, I'd rather have cash than not have debt, um, you know, particularly if it's fixed, particularly if it's a longer term note five, seven, 10 years plus, you know, um, because if you don't have cash, it's going to be hard to get cash. It's going to be way harder to get cash six months, a year from now. Um, I'd rather have the cash and be more in control and be able to make decisions with that. You don't have cash. You have your, your decisions are much more limited. So I don't know if I would, I don't know there. if I'd use the cash to, to pay yeah. down debt per, right two, now, per se.
1: Two different scenarios, different uh, individuals that I'm talking about. One, if you do need cash, great time to be thinking and planning for it. How am I going to have that? Where Where's my, uh, my backstop line? Remember, we talked about that as well. Where am I going to be able to get that cash? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you don't think that you're going to need cash as much going forward, just from the uncertainty around interest rates, that's what I'm
0: saying is, potentially you should be looking at trying to reduce your debt. Yeah. You definitely want to reduce expensive debt, right? Um, that's, that's for sure. That is absolutely for sure. Um, let's see here. What's our, what's our next topic? And then we got to wrap up. Boy, we're well, getting up yeah, to you know, you know, 10 minutes, I, like I ten minutes that, to go. Yeah.
1: I, I think that, first of all, congratulations on uh, getting here to uh, episode five. It's, it's really wonderful. Um, it's great to see these episodes being out there to where people can listen to the prior ones. We refer to them all the time. Um, but I think the other thing we wanted to talk about is just a little bit of the strategy we have of, um, uh, just building up the subscribers, some of the goals. And, and we talked about that. And maybe you can share some of that, our advertising campaign, et cetera, our, our subscription goals. Et sure,
0: sure. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. Yeah. Our, our advertising campaign is pretty simple. <laughs> It's every friend, tell two friends. <laughs> uh, well, I like you know. to call it the word of
1: mouth campaign. Like, uh, you know, we rely on people talking to other people. It's, yeah, you know, it's a very strategic plan. It doesn't involve a high front end marketing cost. You know, we're not advertising you know, intentionally, right? I mean, because we value our listeners. We value our subscribers. We know that they are our best advocates uh, to others. And so that's part of it. Uh, what about just the metrics? Have you uh, have you looked at some of those uh,
0: budgetary uh, influences that were sent over to you? Look, look, look looked at a few of them. Um, I I know that. Look, our 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 main big goal, the one I mean, the holy grail that we're looking for is, when are we going to cross a million? When are we going to have a million listeners, million subscribers? And that's a big number to get to. So I'd like to break that down into into increments, if we could. So let's just say. The first 100,000. We should do something special for that first 100,000 subscribers. We've talked about this. Yeah, I mean,
1: um, we we need to hear from them, right? I mean, what do they like? Do they like Tootsie Rolls? Uh, You know, is it? uh, I I know you probably are thinking sort of, you know, maybe something you don't want to talk about yet, but very interesting ideas. I, I don't want to share them because we're not really ready to. You know, really let everyone know some of the things we're thinking, but there is going to be something that is very nice for them to have. Um, some pretty cool incentives. Right? Yeah, for their loyalties and for, you know, because we like to think ahead. Because, um, yep. you know, when we're trying to look at this from avoiding crisis, I think the crisis would be we get zero subscribers. And I talked <laughs> to my family about that. They're pretty much all on board that they're going to do what they can. Um, and uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, great news you know you can go onto the website and you can uh, look at the episode you can also rate it and we've already got as an example our first five-star rating i have got that in oh, today awesome right, right. on yeah, I, I hadn't seen that, that yeah. yet right on well yeah it, it only took a couple seconds to click on it so um, and i believe in having confidence and voting for yourself i think all
0: politicians do so <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. So, yeah, let's let's send in some ratings and send us uh, uh, requests, suggestions, topics you want to hear more about, um, and maybe even some guests that you might. You know, we we definitely want to have guests on the program, um, you know, uh, so so that's going to be part of the upcoming uh, format. Did, did I tell you too? You're you're mentioning about guests in the last
1: episode. I called out for a guest, right? That's right. Did I Tell you what happened after that. I mean, you know how word gets around, right? Oh, so yeah, you gosh. know, you know, I said Sharon Stone, Spencer Lee, and Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Right. And then once once the word starts getting out that you know they're invited, then they realize that they probably need to do something to kind of show that they're, you know, understanding what a crisis is and how to get involved. So you
0: heard about what Shaq did, right? Uh, I I hadn't quite heard that story. Something about he was helping a kid with something. What what happened? Yeah. 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 So there's
1: this teen in Michigan. He's like 14 years old and he has very large feet, um, size 23. And he was really having trouble getting shoes. And so, you know, there were a lot of people that uh, heard about his story and were like trying to, you know, give him advice about, hey, you could do this, you could do that. And it's just like, well, how do you really get this, you know, how do you, what do you have to do? Well, as it turns out, Shaq heard about this and reached out to him and helped to arrange to get him shoes. And so, nice. you know, it, it's now he has shoes he can wear, which it seems like such a small thing. And we take a lot of things for granted, but that just kind of goes to show you Shaq and uh, kind of where he comes from. And again, When we do the invitations to people on the show, we don't express always why we would like to have them on the show. Because that would take away from, you know, the interest of them if they do join. And, you know, um, I don't think that at least today that I'm going to add to the list of who I'm inviting. I think I will maybe in the next episode. I know you've been thinking about who you'd like to invite. And uh, you don't even have three. I already have three out there. So I got my third. I got my third. Oh, I haven't an announced. Do you want
0: to share it? I got, Go I got my third. Yeah. I'll remind you of my other two. So all I right. said my first one was Warren Buffett. Oh yeah. I said my mm-hmm. second one was Jamie Dimon. Oh, and okay. I've come up with my third one, Michael right. Roffler.
1: Oh no. You know who Michael really?
0: Roffler is? Oh, of course
1: I know. Who he is. Yes. All all
0: of right. course. Do you want me to share with our guests? Those
1: that don't know, he's. Uh, yeah. He's the uh, the CEO at the First Republic Bank. Um, That's right. That's right. And, uh,
0: and, yeah. and, and I, I, I got I got, I think I should disclose this. I'm a huge fan of first Republic bank. They got great mm-hmm. service. They've got great people. Um, just a great ethos. Um, I, I just, I, I work with them professionally, uh, personally, um, have clients that bank with FRB and, um, it's just I, I've in my career working with banks for 30 plus years, um, hands down, the best, easiest bank to work with in in the brick and mortar space, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's some cool fintechs that are coming up, but they can't offer you the products and and, and the more advanced services that you need uh, throughout your business and personal life cycle. So fintech's cool. You have a certain role. The brick and mortar's another world. In Mm -hmm. in my opinion, the, the two leaders there, First Republic, you know, when it comes to, you know, in my opinion, hands-on, and then the big beast, you know, Chase, that's where we get Jamie Diamond.
1: I know that I know that you don't really um, want to go into any details on why you would invite somebody, but I can guess. I, I'm just thinking if you go back to, you know, Void Crisis and what we're saying is you need to think, decide, and act, you got to wonder, Mike, roughly there, in a position of watching SVB and all that activity and then hearing on the news all the time about regional banks and taking a look at the deposits and looking out the window and seeing people showing up outside, looking to take money out of the the bank. And somehow in a very short period of time from that, you have connection somehow to Jamie Dimon. let's not forget it wasn't just Jamie Dimon. It was Janet Yellen. I mean, who knows who else was involved, but all of a sudden there was a vote of confidence for the U S banking system And he was in the middle of it. And what's interesting is we talked about how banks are structured. And it didn't have to start where it started. It could have started somewhere else. Yeah. It could have happened. And it did happen in two places, right? But some of these other regional banks weren't that far behind. And you you just have to wonder, you know, what, what happened in that period of time? And we may never know. But it would be interesting just to um, be able to kind of understand it from observing what's going on, you know, and thinking and then deciding, you know, you <laughs> need to do this and then taking action. Because if that didn't happen and happened in a very short period of time,
0: I don't know where
1: we'd be today.
0: Yeah, they're definitely. that. That's why I wanted to love him to have, have him as a guest is. Uh, this happened really fast, and yeah. uh, what what was what was that like? So well, there's another there part go. of it that's that's really interesting as well,
1: and that is the regional banks were relatively untouched during the financial crisis. Remember, it was bigger banks; um, they right. weren't the mega mergers when you combine them all. Now they're super big, right? But back then, there were a lot more banks that were large, but not as large as they're today. And yep. the regional banks were looked at as being safer at that time. So yep. it's flipped.
0: Yep, for sure. But we're running up on time. So I would like to throw out for next time, I, I want to say we're going to come in and let's say we have a, uh, a startup company. It could have 10, 20, maybe 50 employees. It's got this great idea, great technology. They need some money. Where are they going to get it? And what's it going to cost them? But we are out of time. So we're tickling an idea for our next episode. What's one, What's an idea for next time, Alan? Then we're going to sign off. You have one for next time?
1: Uh, for next time? It, well, you know, when you say your idea, then all of a sudden I'm just thinking about that. And and so I can't like stop and go, oh, <laughs> no, I, I want to do that <laughs> no, no. one. Okay. My idea is right. your idea. Okay. I'm just going to follow right. Okay. That's right. That sounds um, great. Well I'll that that's going to be one of ours for, for
0: next episode. I know, episode, but I, not, not, I just want to, I want to go another hour. Could we do that? No, I guess no, so. but, but I do want we'll, to go we'll, another thirty I do ahead. want to go another 30 seconds though. Yeah. Because we have a big announcement actually. Our next episode, it's gonna be funny how the timing on this thing, because our next episode, if it all goes right, should be live. Right? We're working with the great team at Earmark. And hmm. Earmark is helping us produce these podcasts, getting up on, getting the website up, getting them on all the, you know, the, the apps to download and, you know, the Apple Podcast Store and the Android and all that stuff. I don't know how that works. They do. That's why we that's why we work with them, because they're the best at it. And they've told us that uh, that we can be up and live on our episode that we're going to record next week. So we're going to be doing a live uh, broadcast, simulcast, you know, live to tape recording uh, uh, next week. So that's pretty exciting. I just think
1: that, uh, you know, that's going to really help to drive the subscriber growth we've been looking for. But again, yeah. it's word of mouth. If you're hearing it today, tell somebody you heard this, go back on our other podcast. If you missed them, listen to those again. How many people do you say they needed to tell every person that, that uh, hears this should tell what 10, 15 people about it. I absolutely
0: the yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> all right all right thanks, thanks again all right, okay. all, right. all right take care all right take care bye bye all right bye